There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MBO. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. You're listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. With the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store. Hello and welcome to the Science Focus podcast. I'm Sarah Rigby, online assistant at BBC Science Focus magazine. 2021 has got off to a bit of a strange start with a surprising trend sweeping the internet, sea shanties. This ancient genre of music has exploded in popularity in recent weeks, thanks to people on social media singing them, sharing them and adding their own twists. In fact, they've become so popular that Bristol-based shanty band The Longest Johns have entered the top 40 in the UK singles chart. Naturally, we here at BBC Science Focus wanted to know what it was about sea shanties that makes them so catchy. So today, I'm talking to Professor Catherine Loveday of the University of Westminster. She's a neuropsychologist who specialises in music. So thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, So just to start, could you just give us a brief overview of what sea shanties are and why people sign them? Sea shanties were sort of working songs, really. They're, they're very, lots of very repetitive um, and fairly upbeat, uplifting tunes and melodies that, that, um, that people can very quickly join and sing together. And they tend to be very rhythmic so that people can work while they're doing. So the, the classic one of Hey, Ho and Up She Rises getting the sails up. So it's that um, it, this, the, the melody and the rhythm are designed to, to kind of match the the activities that are going on and also to be quite repeated okay so um people sang them alongside their work but what was the benefit of a song in that situation as opposed to just counting yeah that's a really interesting um question and i think it's because music um has a real capacity to connect us so it taps into our our natural um, communication system. Uh, it makes us feel bonded and connected, but it also kind of lifts us up in the same way that um, 
chanting at, at a football match or um, singing in a religious setting or even singing lullabies to children. Um, music enables us to, to kind of um, often reach a different emotional state. And it's also been shown that it can really, really help people with learning. So in the same way that we can learn to count, but actually children learn to count better if that those those numbers are set to music. We just seem to be primed to to respond and connect better when there is melody and timbre and rhythm and all these elements of music added to something. So would you say that um, the songs helped people bond and therefore work better as a team? Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that's been known historically. So if you go back in history, it's been shown. In fact, some people have argued that not just singing, but marching together and sort of collective rhythmic activities might even be um, a sort of part of our evolutionary success. And that's because they they promote togetherness and this sort of collective participation um, in something has been shown to promote our shared social identity. Um, and that gives us a sense of togetherness and it, it feels like we're all working towards the same goals and we're working in the same direction. And actually human beings only exist when they work together. They, they only survive if they work together. We have survived as a human species because of working in groups and working in communities and working in societies. And, um, and music has been shown to promote that sort of collective action and to make us feel stronger. Um, so I have played in orchestras when I was younger. And one thing I would always notice is if the audience is clapping along, they will always start to speed up and they'll get faster and faster. And it's really <laughs> annoying. Um, so how do people, how do we in our brains keep rhythm? That's a good question. We know that the area of the brain that's particularly relevant is the cerebellum, which is the sort of bobbly bit of the, the brain at the back. Um, uh, we also have quite a lot of different areas of the brain that are involved in timing more generally because actually not just timing with music but timing with everything is utterly crucial if we can't coordinate our activities like we can't even eat so we have to time our mouth to open when we when we lift our our sort of spoon up towards our mouth and so timing is something that the the brain is actually very very good at um, and it does it on many many different levels uh, musically um, it we 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 know that it particularly taps into the cerebellum um, and we know that that part of the brain is also really important in terms of motivation and drive. So um, emotion and motivate all come from the same word. So emotion and motivate is about actually movement. And so, so the sense of wanting to get up and move um, and respond to music is, is really very, very fundamental and driven by this area of the brain that, that taps into music and emotion and motivation and all of those things together. Um, we also know that it's really, really useful for sport for the same reasons. So people who, for example, use music um, in sport uh, often are able to to perform for longer. Um, they they feel like they've had less effort, um, and they they can kind of push themselves harder. Right. So that's that's really interesting. So that's sounds like that's sort of why music and dance are linked to each other. So when you hear something that's really catchy, you just you can't help but start start to dance to it. Yeah, it's really interesting. If you do this in, in a lecture theatre, there are certain types of music where it's really interesting. If you use one type of music, everyone will start sort of bobbing their head backwards and forwards. <laughs> and if you use a different type of music, everyone starts to kind of sway. It's 
so absolutely inherent that people will respond to particular rhythms and particular types of music in this very, very collective way. Um, and there's, there's also um, some very interesting research that shows, um, and I've always been a bit sceptical of this research, if I'm absolutely honest, but it, it keeps coming out and I'm, I'm beginning to be convinced by it, um, that shows that our brains actually are showing synchronized activity when not, not only when people play together, but even when they are in an audience together watching something. So when you look at EEG activity of people who are sharing the same musical experience, you see this very synchronized brain activity. So there is something very fundamental going on where people are sort of feeling connected. What um, features of the music is it that determines whether people like bob their heads or sway? It's it's basically to do with the rhythm. So if you have um, if you have a sort of uh, it's quite difficult to describe. But if you have something that is um, that kind of goes do 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 that will make people sway. Yeah. I, I can see you doing it there. <laughs> And 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 if you have something that's more, junk, 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 you know, it'll, it'll right. sort of get people. So it's it's just this very natural sense to react and move along with the, the rhythm that we hear. So a swaying rhythm just makes us sway. It's just mm -hmm. it's so brilliant to watch. Okay, so what what features of sea shanties are there that make them really good as work songs? I think it is it's the fact that they. They, they tend to have these lifting, lilting um, melodies that go up. So, so, and they tend to match the actual physical action you're doing. So you have kind of, ooh, and ooh, you have these kind of um, things that, that, that kind of mimic what you're actually doing. And, and we know from other research that, that people use music almost as a metaphor for, for something so you have sometimes in music have a sense of, of going home when something resolves but you also have a sense of tension sometimes when something feels like it hasn't got home and and what you have with with sea shanties is something that that is kind of almost moving you backwards and forwards in a in a very rhythmic sense so it's taking you away and it's bringing you back and it's taking you away and it's bringing you back and it does that kind of with this very, very consistent rhythm, but also with, with um, sort of melodic lines that tend to go up and down and, and match the, the activity that, that we're doing. And also, in terms of a sea shanty, it, it kind of matches the environment that you're in. Right, yeah. Um, so they've, these sea shanties, they've exploded in popularity this month, really. Um, and it's been very much an online phenomenon obviously because mm. we're all at home um do you think that the reason they've suddenly become popular do you think that's related to the fact that we're all at home and we're feeling a need to connect to each other yeah I I thought about this a lot when the the sort of clapping for carers started and this was something that that you saw actually all over the world people started to use music and rhythm to connect to each other and um in the UK, we had this this clapping, this thing that was happening happening every week, and um, and I think there was a sense when people were doing that that they were that there was just something that was connecting people who the rest of the time were just sort of stuck in their houses, and suddenly everyone was coming together and doing doing something together. And I think this is what's happening with the sea shanties. I think people like to engage in collective musical activities and it's been completely impossible but with a sea shanty it tap it they, they are 
they they're very very easy to pick up that maybe wasn't something i mentioned earlier but because they they are very repetitive they're very easy to pick up and so very quickly it becomes something that you can sing along with. And if you're singing along with it, then you're immediately engaged and you're part of it. And that in itself connects you to to everyone else that's doing it. So so you, if you can join, but it's a very simple thing. If you can join in with something, then you feel part of it. Um, and a really good analogy is something like laughter. So if we hear people laughing and we're not part of what's going on, it can make us feel incredibly excluded. But if you're part of the joke and you're part of the laughter, then actually it has the exact opposite effect and you suddenly feel incredibly connected to the people that you're that you're laughing with. And I think because sea shanties um, are also really, really basic. I mean, in a sense, it's surprising because because they they're not kind of modern new music but actually they they go right across the generations you don't have it, it it's kind of free of of the 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 kind of in group out group thing that so many genres have it it doesn't really define a group it just defines our collective history in a sense um and so it's something that will reach across all the different um you know, groups and 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 make us feel like we're all one big group instead of you like punk, you like rock, you like R and B, and you like country. It's it's suddenly it's something that everyone can sort of relate to. Um, I realise this question that I'm I'm going to ask is something that probably we don't know the answer to just yet. But <laughs> so you, as you were saying earlier, people get really like sort of physical reactions to all making music together you know their brain um mm. brain activity lines up um but do people or what, do you think people would have the same effect if it's just virtual if you're just listening to a song and singing it on your own in a room would that have the same effect as being in a room with a hundred other people and all singing together I mean, as you say, I don't think we absolutely know the answer to this. I've been very interested in the difference, for example, in listening to recorded music versus engaging with something live. And I think if you engage with something live, then you um, there's there's more than just listening to something on a on a, on a sort of audio device of some kind because you see facial expressions and you see people's movements. Um, I. I think it's quite hard to completely recreate the togetherness that you have of actually being in the same place together. Um, and I think that that is, is partly difficult because it's so instantaneous. We are, we are feeding off of people's movements as well as their, and their facial expressions and all of those things. And although you'll pick that up a little bit on the video, it's not, it's not the same thing. And I also, you don't get the, the, the full breadth of sound. So if you're if you're particularly using some of the online systems, you're getting quite a broken up version. And we know that you can't really get people absolutely synced together in those ways. So it's I don't think it does give you quite the same thing. But I think if you're singing along with something, even actually singing along with something in the car on a, on a on you know on the car stereo, you can sort of actually feel connected to the person that's singing and to the music. So I I. I think the answer to it is that yes, it does form a, a form of connection, and I think it forms quite a unique form of connection. But I don't think it can quite replace being together. I see. Yeah, um, I've been listening to sea shanties a lot over the last few weeks. I don't know about you, but um... no, it's a whole phenomenon. I didn't really even know about it until you mentioned it. I'm obviously <laughs> in a, a whole different plane, so. Um, so I, 
but but they are sort of things that have occasionally sort of featured in my life. So they mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm quite pleased that they're making a bit of a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been really uh, enjoying them actually. And there's one the one that seems to sort of have started it all is is called the Wellerman, and that's been going around and around in my head for about a week now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is it about a song that can make it a real earworm? Yeah, this is something that. Loads of people have tried to to sort of find specific things about, and it's actually really hard to pin down. It's really hard to pin down something because what sticks in one person's head doesn't necessarily stick in another person's head. Um, but the easier it is for us to to sort of pick up, some people have argued that the easier it is for us to even be able to sing in our minds. So if we can if we can articulate it in our heads, so if we can kind of almost hum it internally or mouth the words, then we are maybe more likely to remember it better. Um, and we know that, for example, we remember um, tunes that are sung better than tunes that are played. And it's partly because you can, in your mind, sing it back. So you are kind of almost rehearsing it and practicing it. Um, I, I think... Anything that has an easy melody that people can pick up, and and there, we don't really know what these hooks are, but there are certain hooks that sort of really grab people. Um, and so anything that's where you've got a repeated thing that goes round and round and round, and that's very easy to to sort of sing back, um, and something with 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 a kind of a melodic line that's not difficult to do, so something that doesn't jump about too much but follows a nice line. Those seem to be the things that stick in our, our mind most. And that's simply, I think, because they're repeated. It's like a, a mantra almost. So anything that, that is repeated like a mantra just um, kind of gets stuck. Right. It's interesting that you said that um, we remember melodies better if they're sung rather than played. Because I always find that I, I find it much easier to remember the melody of a song than the words. I, th- I think that's probably quite common. Mm. You know, you, you hear people going like, da, 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 if they don't yeah. quite remember the words. So how, how does that match up? Oh, well, actually, that's interesting because the research shows that even if you, even if it's la, it still works. It's not actually the words that seem to do it. It's just the, just the ability to... Um, so if you hear a violin, you can't recreate that sound. I mean, this is just one theory. There have been different theories about why it might be. Some a, Another theory is that it's simply the human voice and that the human voice compels us more. We are more intuitive and we're more, more kind of, we've evolved to focus on the human voice. Um, so that's one theory. And, the, and this uh, the other theory that has been this idea that if you can articulate it and if you hear something that you can mimic, even if it's just la, 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 then you are more likely to remember it than if it's a violin or a flute that that we feel one step removed from. Oh, I see. Thank you. Okay. Um, so just one last question then. Um, do you have a favourite sea shanty that you can recommend to our listeners? Well, as I said, I haven't really been listening to them that often, but <laughs> I'm just going to kind of go back to my childhood as I always do. And it's um, it's the Drunken Sailor. It's, and <laughs> the reason yeah. that, that the reason that always sort of sticks in my mind is because um, I remember it so well from being a child, and I remember it, it kind of being sung at school. But then I played in a band when I was um, while I was doing my PhD. I played in in bands every weekend, and 
um, one of the players would always break into that song halfway <laughs> through something and the whole pub would join in. It was just, so it sort of became one of our, one of our features is that we'd be playing all this kind of rock and roll and then suddenly we'd break out into what should we do with the drunken killer and everyone in the pub would start singing. And it, it, I think that's why, you, you know, your questions have appealed to me so much because I just, you know, there were all these people sitting around and I didn't in a million years think that that's what they'd want to be listening to but <laughs> it absolutely worked every time guaranteed <laughs> all right great thank you very much that was neuropsychologist professor Catherine Loveday talking about the power of sea shanties thank you for listening to this episode of the science focus podcast the January issue of BBC science focus magazine is out now Also in this issue, we explore the greatest mysteries of the universe, Dr. Michael Mosley shares his top tips for keeping your blood pressure on track, and as always, our panel of experts answer your questions. Of course, there's much more inside and on sciencefocus.com. Thank you for listening to the Science Focus podcast from the BBC Science Focus magazine team. We're the UK's best-selling Science and Technology Monthly, available in print and in several digital formats throughout the world. Find out more at sciencefocus.com or look out for us in your app store.